Major League Absurdity, a show focused on the lighter side of sports. This is our draft day special. Draft day? It's like it's NFL season already. All right. And I am uh, Craig Lineberry, and with me, as always, is Justin Miller. Ready to talk some draft. Draft. This is all draft. So we're going to do, we're still going to do a regular episode, but this is, this is all draft. This is for all you NFL junkies out there. I know that there's plenty of you, so yeah, we, uh, it was kind of one thing I really wanted to do. Craig obviously loves college football, but my love for it goes above and beyond what anyone's probably should. So <laughs> I actually like draft day almost better than half the regular season in the NFL. So, you know, it's a good time. But yeah, so today we wanted to kind of go through, we wanted to talk about just different positions, some of the interesting draft picks that could come through, maybe some issues with some of them, and maybe talk about some of the funnier things that have happened with a few of the guys, because, yeah. well, they're college athletes, and they do dumb shit. They so. do dumb shit. So there's plenty of that to yeah. make fun of. So I actually want to, uh, before we get into that, uh, just to lay out the, the, the kind of viewpoints that Justin and I have. Justin just touched on it. He's a huge, huge college football fan to the point that the draft is this weird mix yeah. of, of college and pro. So if you have a real good knack like, like Justin does for college, the draft's awesome because you're like, oh, well, you know, I don't know, understand why they're taking this guy because he did this in this game against, you know, yeah. Texas or so-and-so. Like, oh, that's a sneaky pick because I saw <laughs> him play against, you know, Penn State and he did this. I, on the other hand, am revisionist. So, or not revisionist, um, I like to look back. Right. So... Reflectionist? The, reflectionist, thank you. <laughs> reflectionist. Uh, so the draft to me, it doesn't, it pans out later for me. Right. I enjoy it I, because it is the, it, it, to me, that's when the NFL season begins. Yeah. And it's this long, weird, drawn out, dead air, air, <laughs> you know, time right. until, until the summer camps. So I, 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 what I'm getting at, folks, is you're actually going to hear a lot more of Justin today, probably, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, because I, like I said, I like to look back. And we are going to have a section on that. We are going to look back at some drafts. Yeah, because there are some pretty fantastic yeah. things that have happened in years but, past. But yeah, there was, a, there was a great SB Nation article a couple days ago about how there's two different kinds of fans going into the draft. There's kind of the NFL people and there's the college people. And if you are a big follower of college football, sometimes, sometimes teams take these players and you're just baffled. I remember one of them, and honestly it panned out, so what, what the hell do I know? One of them that just shocked me a couple years ago was the Dontari Poe draft. Kid out of Memphis, played in, I believe it's Conference USA. And so, it's like, uh, no one knew anything about this guy, but he was massive. And that all the NFL scouts were drooling over this kid because he's, I don't know, 350, can bench out of the weight room, and is pretty fast for a guy his size. But then, the flip side of that was, he played at Memphis and didn't have fantastic statistics. So... What the hell is he going to do when he goes in and plays actual NFL players? Um, and then the other side of that, in this article they pointed out, you know, most college football fans would have sat there and gone, wait, you're going to draft Ryan Tannehill in the top 10, but you're going to wait until the third round on Russell Wilson, like a proven guy that played well in two different systems at two different schools with a minor league baseball career in between? Like, Ryan Tannehill was a mediocre receiver that turned into a mediocre quarterback. So you can't... You can't put a price on decision-making, and that's one of the things that always gets me when you see these big quarterbacks get drafted high. I mean, Jamarcus Russell and Vince Young being two excellent examples yeah. of freak athletes but didn't pan out. I mean, Well, Vince Young had a, he had a good start, but then he didn't. Then he yeah, just dropped off against the earth. It, I mean, if you look at his successes in his early years, 
it was largely based on athleticism. You know, he, mm-hmm. he wasn't – he was not a good NFL quarterback. Yeah, he could make some plays on the run, and he was just a big guy that was tough to take down. But he even said, I don't think he started watching film until his fourth year in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a problem. Yeah. Like, you're getting paid millions of dollars yeah. to play 16 Sundays a year, and you can't take it out of your busy week to sit down and, you know, maybe see what the defense is going to look like next week. Whereas you got Peyton Manning, who has – probably a film room in his house that he spends God only knows how much time in. I actually think that's true. Well, he also lives in, or at least for a while, was living in Mike Shanahan's old house. So I'm sure there was a film room in there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, so that's always that's always interesting for the college football fan to see. Um, and, 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 that's, and that's one of my points of, of, of contingency with, with this is um, college, you have a lot of, you do have a lot of athleticism. I mean, yeah. look, Look at Baylor; they run a track meet every single yeah. game, but uh, you know the and but the playing field is uneven. Oh yeah, absolutely. But when you get to the NFL, it, it, it evens out a lot more. Everybody's an athlete, right? And then they're a football player on top of that, right? So it's hard to bring in you know these athletes, yeah, and have and them just, be, try to be successful because guys on the other other side are athletes and football players. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so what if Vince Young was breaking ankles against 2006 Baylor? I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people were breaking ankles against 2006 Baylor because they were awful. So, you know, you don't always get the best sample size of these guys. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, so today we're pro- we're going to spend most of our time talking about the more dynamic positions. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, probably a little bit defensive back, but not a lot. Um, obviously, there's some really good offensive linemen in this draft, but, you know, there's really nothing more disappointing than staying up, waiting for your team's pick, just anticipating it, and then they draft a right guard. And you're like, okay. I mean, I'm, I know we need it, but that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, yeah. I want to see something big. I want to see that running back, that wide receiver that's just going to completely change our season. Not the right guard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just that's like last year being a Cowboys fan, you know, I was like, oh, first-round pick, what are we going to get? Oh, center, mm. Travis Frederick out of Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, he's got a cool beard. <laughs> yeah, like there's really nothing you can say about it. But I feel like this draft is pretty interesting in that, you know, in recent years, it's pretty much been set two weeks before the draft even started of who was going to go first, you know. I remember, you know, and Dominican Sue had basically signed before the draft even started. Matt Stafford, same thing. Sam Bradford, same Mary thing. Mary Williams, same yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so you very it seems like it's rare in this day and age that there's much, you know, much drama leading up to the draft. And, you know, even uh, 2012, everyone knew it was going to be Andrew Luck, RG3, first two picks. No doubt about it. I mean, they obviously wait because they're like, well, maybe if somebody offers us like 12 first round picks over the next, you know, 12 years, then sure, we'll trade this pick. Yeah. But it never happens. Yeah. Um, so, you know, right now, most people think. Uh, the Texans are going to pick Clowney over any of the other people available, which is interesting. Talking about Mario Williams, yeah, they were faced with a similar decision a few years ago. Whenever yeah. they drafted Mario Williams over Reggie Bush and Vince Young in the same draft, yeah. So you kind of have a similar similar situation here, that, and I think that was actually a good move. It was. I, I think it definitely panned out. I mean, Bush, he's okay. He's not. He's not a complete game changer for a team. I think Mario Williams at the time was. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's kind of had some injury problems, and now he's 
but at Buffalo, I think yeah. if he's still there, I'm not even sure. Yeah, he just signed last year, I think. Yeah, but I didn't. I mean, he kind of had some problems, so I wasn't sure if he oh, I got was you. still on the team. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I'm assuming it's going to be Clowney. But I could also see, I would not be shocked if the Texans trade down a little bit. I mean, I think they have they have some other needs they could potentially address farther down. I think they need a new wide receiver, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre Johnson's aging. I think if they could trade back to five, six in the draft, pick up Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge pickup for yeah. them. A&M guy. I think he's big. I mean, obviously, pretty much everyone's picking Sammy Watkins as the uh, number three pick, I believe, to go to the Jags. And don't get me wrong, I think Sammy Watkins is a fantastic player. But, man, I don't know how you pass up Mike Evans on this list. Yeah. Because well, I, I, he's I think so the, big. Yeah, and I think the Jags or the Raiders, just because we talked about Raiders a couple episodes ago. Yeah. I, the Raiders I, mean, are, I think the Raiders have to go wide receiver with the moves they've made, so they're going to get whoever falls. Falls, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Because I think uh, there, was some, there was some pundit that pointed this out recently, and I don't remember who it was, but uh, they said, you know, okay, Johnny Manziel, yeah, he won the Heisman, but the unsung hero in all this is Mike Evans. He was on the receiving end of most of those passes, and he can jump over everybody. He's pretty fast, well, and he's strong as yeah. hell. We're going to get to this, and, and it's so hard to not talk about Manziel ad nauseum. Oh, yeah. But the way it's also his, his, his the way Manziel plays, I think, makes that even better. Because he loved to scramble. Yeah. He loved to move around. He loved to get out of the pocket. And that's hard for a wide receiver when the play breaks down. So the fact that Evans was so successful playing with a guy like that, I think... Is something something to to really stick out. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess we'll go ahead and might as well just move into the man some of the Manziel topic right now because I mean, he, obviously, there's really no way to talk about the 2014 draft and not bring him up as much as I really hate to. But <laughs> that so that's one of the things that if I were an NFL team, this would be my biggest concern with Manziel is when you look at games where teams were able to get solid pressure on him and keep him from scrambling and extending the play. That's when he started to have problems. And a lot of those late, just huck-it-down-the-field throws that he would make after scrambling forever, Mike Evans was the wide receiver on it because eventually he's going to break free. And if it's a jump ball between him and pretty much any corner, he's going to win it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 6'4", 230. Lord only knows what his vertical is. It's probably pretty solid. Mm-hmm. So I think that that'd be my concern is – Yes, SEC defenses are great, but when you have like entire teams that are even better on defense, how much time is he actually going to have to scramble around? I don't think he's going to have a lot, and I think a lot of NFL defenses will end up like putting a lot of pressure on him because I think that's the key. If you get, if I were them, I would blitz just nonstop, and I don't know that he'd be able to get out of it as many times as he did in college. Personal opinion, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times before. But I think that's definitely a concern with him. Um, one of the one of the quarterbacks I'm actually more interested to see where he goes is Blake Bortles. Yes. Because yep. he's huge too. Mm-hmm. Such a big guy. I don't think I don't think it's good for a team to draft him that needs him to play next year. Um, one place I know we talked about this and I think it's one of the best spots he could land, honestly, is Oakland. Because I think Matt Schaub's got another couple years in him. Uh, I think Bortles would do well going to a place where he can sit back on the sideline for two years, watch, get in the system, learn it. Because, I mean, 
anybody that's expecting someone to go into the Raiders and immediately turn them into a winning team, they're not. They're not gonna. That's just not gonna happen. Yeah, not, yeah, <laughs> like, not anytime soon. Again, we, yeah. we go back to I think it was episode two, and we talked about that. They're, you know, they're they're just they're they're set up for failure. I yeah. Mean, in the conference they play in, they're scheduled this year. It's gonna be very tough for them to be successful. Yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting too. Once um, in a year or two, because Denver's gonna have kind of some turnover because Peyton Manning, this could very well be his last year. I don't know. It, it's either gonna be this year or next year for mm-hmm. sure. And so once he leaves, they're going to end up probably losing a couple guys. Just well, Welker will probably be done pretty soon as well. And there's there's going to be kind of a power vacuum there created once some of those big guys in Denver leave. Mm-hmm. So that's a chance for the Raiders to maybe step up in a couple of years and you know really put a dynamite team on the field. But for the time being, Denver's obviously the team to beat in that that division, and that's mm-hmm. not going to change this year, I don't believe. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's, it's so it's interesting looking at we we have a list up right now. It's uh and we'll put this we'll tweet this out later, but it's on the nfl.com website and it's kind of addressing whatever the team needs are for various teams. Um you know, obviously number 1 is the Houston Texans and it's kind of interesting because they're likely going to draft Jadavian Clowney defensive end, but <laughs> At least NFL.com doesn't believe that defensive end is one of their top three needs. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, if I were a Texans fan, my concern is QB, that's pretty high need right now. I mean, they have Case Keenum, and I believe TJ Yates is still on that team. And, oh, and I think I just saw that they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe. Is oh, that, okay. I believe right. he's on the team now as well. But still, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I could definitely see that the Texans might be looking to use that second round pick because I could easily see Teddy Bridgewater falling that far. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I think if you get your, if you get, if you get that number one pick, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. If you think there's one quarterback that stands out to just go ahead and take him. But do you think that the quarterbacks that are on this list, like you, what you just, especially what you just said about Bortles are ready to start this year? Because if you take a quarterback as number one, they start. Look at yeah. Luck, look at RG3 last year. Yeah, that's or, true. Or two years ago. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a tough question, I think. I don't, and I don't, and what I'm getting at is I don't think the quarter the quarterbacks that are on this list are necessarily NFL ready. Yeah. I actually sort of disagree with you with Bortles because I think Bortles is a man. Like, he wasn't he a is. college kid playing football. Yeah, he was a man playing football. I think for him, this, was, this is what I would say is yeah. – Playing at UCF, I mean, not to really knock that conference too hard, but I don't think he got the weekend week out strain that'll be yeah. on him when he plays in the NFL. And I think he's not used to the consistent level of competition that he's going to see. And yeah. I think that he maybe needs a couple of years to get into a system, learn it, because he—I mean—he did run the ball quite a bit. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I'm basing a lot of this honestly on the Baylor game because that's the one—that's the UCF game I saw the most of, but. He ran the ball more than most NFL quarterbacks would and more than any team would want their franchise quarterback to run the ball. So, I, you know, I don't know. I think he's going to need some time to maybe transition his style a little bit. But I do think he's a very good quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely going on with some of this list, I guess. One, uh, they show the St. Louis Rams and they show their needs as – Wide receiver, offensive line, and safety. Don't really understand why quarterback's not on that list since 
they pretty much decided they're done with Sam Bradford. And I don't also don't understand why wide receiver is number one, because they picked Tavon Austin and Stedman Bailey last year. I mean, those were two pretty big guys. They just didn't really get the ball to them that much because, well, Bradford was not having a great year. And then he got hurt, and then it was just – yeah, it just spiraled after that. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think – I don't think that they really need a wide receiver. They're showing offensive line is what they're going to take. Both uh, Kuyper and McShay say that, but I don't know. Once again, boring pick. Jaguars. Yeah, but, you know, that's that's sometimes the reason why, you know, Bradford might got hurt. I mean, I understand he's injury prone. Yeah. But maybe it's because the pass rush is getting to him. And Yeah. I mean, so my thing, honestly, is that the Rams have two picks. They have number two and number 13. I think there's enough offensive line talent in this draft. I think you pick – the game-changing player at number two, and you pick the offensive lineman at 13, mm-hmm. in my opinion, but I don't know. Once I mean, the Rams goes. can make some smart moves in this draft. Yeah. And, and talk about lucking out with the whole trade system and, yeah. and how the Redskins did. I mean, get that number two pick. I mean, they could probably even trade back a little bit in that top 10 and have basically two top 15 picks and then add a second or third rounder as well, yeah. which wouldn't be bad for them because they pretty much need everything. But... Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, looking at the rest, pretty much Jaguars, Browns, Raiders, they need everything. Those, Especially the Jaguars. My goodness. That team is just so awful. It's not even funny. <laughs> um, and then the Browns. Everyone keeps saying the Browns are the likely landing spot for Johnny Manziel. So that's going to be something to watch. <laughs> I don't just him throwing to him throwing to Josh Gordon all the time, which I guess maybe that's kind of good. Josh Gordon's built almost exactly like Mike Evans yeah, is, yeah. so get him in with somebody big and fast again. I don't know, maybe maybe that's a good combo. Um, one of the interesting ones we were talking about a little bit in this top ten is the Falcons. So to me, the Falcons they were just they just had a really off year. I mean, they everybody got injured. Their defense just was decimated by the end of preseason. Yeah. And then, you know, they lose Julio Jones. I um, can't even think of his name right now. The other big wide receiver they have. He was having... Roddy made, White. Yeah, Roddy White. He was injured a lot of the year, too. I think this is a good opportunity for them to trade back, get some extra picks. I mean, they don't, I don't think they need someone in that number six slot, you know? I, I think they can get some of the talent they'd like farther back yeah. and just stock up on some, some good defensive players, just yeah. solid guys. yeah. Their, their position here is, is uh, the analogy I make is the year that the Spurs, you know, I know it's basketball, it's a little bit different, but it's, so. it's, it's kind of like the year the Spurs had that had that one just down season with yeah. David Rob- toward the end of David Robinson's career, and they picked up Tim Duncan, and <laughs> then, like, within two years, they were championships. Yeah, like, exactly. champions, because they just had a crappy year with, you know, I... I I, I I didn't go back and look at exactly what happened or who was right. her or who who was on that team, but everybody remembers that that like uh, they yeah. just got so lucky. Yeah. Like they, didn't they really literally like... won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For all intents and purposes, yeah. they won the lottery. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just I don't know. I think the Falcons are an interesting to watch in this draft. And I mean, one thing too, I think is hilarious with these mock drafts, especially. I think this year is going to be very trade heavy. Because there's a lot of teams and a lot of weird spots that need a lot of random shit. And so I think the top ten really could shuffle a lot in this draft. Yeah. Now, because I said that, there's going to be zero trades in yeah. the first round tonight. <laughs> yep. That is a guaranteed fact. Yeah. But as of right now, I really think that that's probably how it's going to shake out. Yeah. Um, if I'm, You know, if I'm, a, look, I'm looking at the, the order here, if I'm a Vikings fan sitting at number eight, 
That's where I might be looking to trade up. Yeah. Because that carousel of QBs last year oh, was God. so awful. Even as not even as not a Vikings fan. Yeah. I can't even imagine as a Vikings fan. Every time there. I saw who they were going to start on a Sunday, I cringed a little. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. You have to choose between Christian Ponder, Matt Castle, and Josh Freeman. Like, they were just the land of misfit quarterbacks. Yeah. It was like everybody else's cast-offs and Christian Ponder. Who is now a cast off? Yeah. <laughs> like, which also, I'm sorry for the Ponder family, but when you get cut by the Vikings for not being a good enough quarterback, I don't know what your NFL career is going to look yeah. like. I mean, especially with that situation they had yeah, going on, you should really start looking to see if the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are <laughs> needing to pick yeah. anybody up. But yeah, I mean. I, I still remember when he got married a couple years ago, my, some of my friends that live in Minneapolis, they were making the joke that his wedding was going to be the first without a reception. Because, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I mean, he's just awful. Yeah. I, unbelievable. That was another one. I, whenever he got drafted, I told my friend, I said, that is the worst draft pick I've ever seen. Because you picked him at 11. Yeah. You could have picked him in the third and been okay. And of course, after that was when Andy Dalton got drafted. Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick got drafted after Christian Ponder. Yeah. So think about that. Yeah. <laughs> that well, happens all the time. It does yeah. happen all the time. Yeah. But that was the the weird thing about that to me is that Christian Ponder was not rated above those two. Oh. oh. He was actually rated worse than those two. But the Vikings, in their infinite wisdom, <laughs> thought, nope, all those guys are wrong. This guy is going to take yeah, us yeah. to a Could championship. Could you imagine they took Andy Dalton? Yeah. Wow. Or Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Imagine Kaepernick and Adrian Peterson on the same team. <laughs> you can actually gonna... run the option. Yeah. What the hell are you going to do on defense? Yeah. You have no. I mean, you have no recourse there. Yeah. You're just like, well, we're screwed. Yeah. Because that running back's big and that quarterback's bigger, and they're both fast. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. I did not understand that pick the minute they made it, and I, I heard someone say they were like, oh well, Christian Ponder, you know, he just didn't have a great situation at Florida State. Are you kidding me? Every year he was there, they had top five recruiting classes. He had a great situation, and he still didn't play well. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you expect there. Yeah. That, that, that just baffled me. But, I mean, in the same vein, talking about quarterbacks, some looking at this list. So I'm looking at the uh, ESPN Insider rank, just by position and quarterbacks, and there's some interesting names on here that I, I don't know. I mean, I think. I think there are some teams that could do some damage in later rounds by picking up some pretty solid guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the ones I look at, A.G. McCarron. Dude is, I think he's fifth on this list. Yeah. And, be, I don't know, people just, they look at an Alabama quarterback and they never seem to be impressed. Um, but I think A.J. McCarron's not your stereotypical Alabama quarterback. Like, he's actually a decent size. He's... Looks showing up here. It's six three and a quarter, two twenty. That's a pretty prototypical size for a good QB. He's one of the most. He's one of the winningest quarterbacks in NCAA history. The dude's got two national championship rings. I mean, on a pro style team. Yeah, on a pro style team. He's yep. played with some top level talent. And one thing I will say too is, you know, his receivers are good, not great. For Alabama, they did not have the highest level of receivers when he was there because he was did, right after Julio Jones. I was just going to ask that. Okay. Um, and so, you know, he did a lot. I, I, I would def- maybe, and maybe this is what the Texans are looking at because I 
firmly believe that A.J. McCarron is going to be available in the second round. Yeah. So if you have the first pick in the second, why not pick McCarron? Yeah. The only the only concern there is some of the sideshow stuff that comes along with it, with the whole like Catherine Webb thing, and they're talking about they're having their own TV show about their wedding and all this crap. So I don't know, maybe some teams are a little worried by that. Um, but yeah, I I uh, in that same vein about about quarterbacks being available, I actually like Aaron Murray. Yeah. Now that's small though. That's his biggest. But man, he looked good a lot of those bulldog games, and yeah. that's another. I mean, was it Mark Mark Wright, Mark Rick, Mark Rick, yeah, Mark, Mark Rick. He runs a pro style yeah, offense in Georgia as well. It's you know, it's high flying. It's very exciting to watch. And he's the he set the SEC record for career passing yards. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. You beat me to it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry no, hate to hate to be a stats dealer. Yeah, but that that torn ACL is what's gonna make his stack his 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 uh, uh, stock drop. But you know, if he gets on a good team with a good line, yeah. I mean, or sits behind somebody and he's learn. definitely going to sit behind somebody. I mean, yeah. even I think even if he had not torn his ACL, he would probably still be sitting behind someone. Yeah. But I mean, personally, homering here as a Cowboys fan, I hope that we can maybe sneak him in the fourth, fifth round. Yeah. Because at this point, we we really need to draft a backup for Romo because Romo's obviously aging and his back is doing God knows what. So I don't know. I mean, that's a guy that I would look at. There's some other interesting names. I mean, Derek Carr is one that people talk about a lot. And even though he's only he's rated seventh on this list, at least one of the – I forget whether it was McShay or Kuyper. They have him going in the first wow. to the Cardinals, which, I mean, I see it. And that's, that's also an interesting one too because they said that actually one thing that's killing his draft stock is his brother. <laughs> they said because his brother did so horribly in the <laughs> NFL that everybody's yeah. concerned he's going to do the same, but – that also is a unique situation because I think his brother set an NFL record for being sacked the most times in a season. So it's not totally his fault yeah. that he didn't play well with the Texans. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a pretty rough team to get started with. But and then, and, then, and then through all that, you still have Teddy Bridgewater sitting out there. Yeah, he's an interesting one about where he could go. Yeah, there's a there's a few guys. I mean, looking down this list initially, Zach Mettenberger. Pretty big guy. I mean, definitely some behavioral concerns. Huge um, behavioral concerns. You know, he's been he's been arrested. He was arrested at Georgia, got kicked out. Then obviously he he had a diluted sample, quote unquote, for his drug test. And you know, and that's one of those things we talked about a little bit. You know, it doesn't in this day and age, it doesn't necessarily concern me that players smoke weed because hell, it's getting legalized in state by state. But this is a decision-making issue. Like, you're going into the NFL draft, you know, maybe just cut it out for a few months yeah. and, you know, show some discretion here because this is something that could really hurt your draft stock. Yeah. So why are you going to risk it? Well, yeah. And, and, and go along with Zach Mettenberger, one of the articles I pulled up for the, for the show today is uh, t- uh, 10 and maybe even more players failed the drug test at yeah. the Combine. 10 or more. Yeah. What are you thinking? Like, <laughs> yeah. what? Like, you're going to the combine. All you got to do is get out there, wear the, the ugly Under Armour crap, <laughs> yeah. do a couple of sprints, and get out of there. Yeah. Just why are you doing drugs? All these guys that are in, they're going into the NFL draft. They're going to the combine. They all train at these like really nice training facilities all over the country. They all do this. Yep. So, what the? I mean, they do this for six weeks. Uh I, I do happen to know for a fact that if you smoke weed, like it, it within six weeks, it'll all leave your system. You will not test positive. 
So that means that at some point while they're doing this training, which means the draft is at the front of their mind, they decide, nah, why not? What a terrible idea. It's so bad. I mean, like, And just, we don't know what kind of drugs. It, it, they that's just said true. drugs. Um, I, I don't think we followed up on the article, but it's... At least a couple were marijuana. I know that. They said... Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they said that Mettenberger's was marijuana. But yeah, and so I guess in theory, one, one that started to trip people up is Adderall. They'll, they'll, like, you can test positive for that, and you don't have a prescription, and it's, yeah, it's just kind of a pain, but... The assumption with most of these is that it likely is marijuana. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of an idiot thing to do. But, I don't know, going back to this list of QBs, though, I mean, there's still, there's some names farther down that really interest me. I mean, like, one guy that I saw play a lot was Casey Pawhall with TCU. Obviously, once again, behavioral issues because he got arrested for drugs, went to rehab for marijuana, like, that's a thing. And... But he's, he's got a lot of talent. I mean, mm-hmm. when he was coming through, he looked good mm-hmm. in games. And, I mean, I would definitely – he's rated, what, like 25th, 24th on this list. If he's dropping to 6th, 7th round, I'm definitely going to draft him. Mm-hmm. If I have a need for a backup or a third string, definitely drafting him. Mm-hmm. Then you got other guys on here, Taj Boyd. Although he's a lot smaller than I thought he was. I thought he was a big dude. He's listed here at 6 feet 220. I thought he was a solid 6'4", 6'5", so shows what I know, I guess. Uh, Bryn Renner, that's another interesting name. Kid out of North Carolina. Played really well, had a shoulder injury at the la- end of last year, but solid guy. I'm Connor Shaw out of South Carolina, another great player. Stephen Morris out of Miami. Logan Thomas, this one, I don't, I don't think he's a very good quarterback because his accuracy is not great, but, God, he is much bigger than I thought he was. Yeah. Like, if you had if you'd given me okay, Logan Thomas, Taj Boyd, one is six foot two twenty, the other one is six six two fifty, which do you think? Taj Boyd I would have guaranteed you was the six six two fifty. But it is Logan Thomas. I had no clue. So you know, I can I can guarantee some NFL teams are looking at him just drooling seeing that size. But yeah, I mean it's gonna I think there's gonna be a lot of quarterbacks taken in this draft actually. Mm-hmm. Probably somewhat more than usual. Um but yeah, and one of the interesting things we also talked about was uh, <laughs> how it's pretty much showing that there's not going to be a first-round running back taken. Yeah. Which, you know, yep. basing off of years past, that's crazy to think about. When you think about, I mean, there's been a lot of running backs that have gone first or, I mean, within the top 15 at least. And it's just, I, I think it's really indicative of where the NFL is now that the running game is secondary to the passing game at this point. Because people they look a lot more at what wide receivers they can get and what QBs they can get. And running back is more of a running back by committee thing. You don't have that star running back anymore. Adrian Peterson, in my opinion, is pretty much the only one left that is carrying... Uh, Marshawn Lynch, too. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch, I but guess. But it's still, it's still it's fading away. Yeah. And it's, it's so obvious anybody anybody listening probably plays fantasy football oh and it's and that's and that's where you see it the most yeah. you're like oh my god like it's the most irritating thing in the world yeah it's you're it's, like i took marshawn lynch with my fourth pick and he's barely getting the ball or yeah. you know i mean one this past year was doug martin was bad chris johnson has been just a perennial uh, disappointment for man. everybody i had him one year and he um i, I had to like get in a bonus with him like yeah. i get 100 yards he was it was a monday night game and he rushed for like 18 he rushed 18 times 
on 17 of those uh, rushes, he averaged like 1.7 yards, and thank God he had like a 75-yard yeah. touchdown run. He is He's <laughs> very much the last two or three years been a feast or famine guy because that's yeah. exactly what it is. Like He'll rush 15 times for a yard each, but then he'll suddenly break some big run. Or even, I, I think I had him last year on one of my teams, and it was one of those games I think he rushed for 20 yards, but somehow caught for like 140. Yeah. What? what in the world is going on yeah. here? But, yeah, there's, I don't know, there's going to be some interesting things going on. I think second and third round you'll see a, a ton of running backs go, but I really, I agree with the fact that I do not think there's going to be a first round running back. There's just not really any big names out there, I don't think, that are yeah. at least worth the time. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, the number one, number one running back right now is Carlos Hyde. <laughs> don't even know who that is. I don't is. know who that is. You know, it's interesting looking going back to the to the draft order. I was just looking kind of like in the middle of the first round. Yeah. We have all these eight and eight teams that are just I, I feel like that's so fascinating because some yeah. of them I think are underperforming eight and eight teams and some of them are overperforming. And then there's the Cowboys at eight and eight who are doing exactly what you think they would do. And they are <laughs> eight and eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think the Bears, I think they kind of and, and the Steelers a little bit underperformed slightly. I mean, yeah. I would, they might have been at least nine and seven when I say underperform, but then you got like the Jets and the Dolphins. I it, think they were on the other end of that. The I other think end. they overperformed. overperformed. And then you got the Ravens too, which I think they honestly, I think they're exactly like the Cowboys. They hit exactly what you thought they would because they lost so much lost after so that much. Super Bowl, yeah. and they paid way too much money for uh, what's his name. Oh, I can't even think of his name now. The quarterback, Flacco. Flacco. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Paid way too much money for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was just, that was, they were kind of doomed from the beginning. Yeah. That was, I, I loved it going into that season, though. You know, you got the team that won the Super Bowl, and no one is picking them to go back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, well, what about the Ravens? Like, yeah, yeah no. Nah. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that team in Baltimore? Nah, they're nah, not going to do it. Nah. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this draft. I, some of the funnier things, looking at A.J. McCarron, first of all, um, one of my favorite things about him is his chest tattoo. And oh, God. if you don't know what we're talking about, just Google A.J. McCarron, and I'm pretty sure the like autocomplete, the first thing that will come up is tattoo. I'm almost positive because it's one of the most Google things on the Internet. But this thing has just grown. It started as just like in the center of his chest, maybe like four inches by four inches. Now it is all the way across his chest and creeping into his arms and just traveling down. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He might have a disease. I'm not sure what it is. Like, I think it's just spreading yeah. little by little. And it's like, it's the weirdest thing ever, too. Well, it's got it, what, like a yeah. big cross and like the face of Jesus on it. I'm sure there's a roll tide in there somewhere. I mean, that's just guaranteed. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah, I mean. It's just when AJ McCarron, it's one of those tattoos that's always covered. So you never, yeah. you never see except it's all these like beach shots from spring break. Right. And he just like, he looks to me like, oh, he wears pop collars and croquis right. all day long. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We, yeah. we both have friends who do that. Yeah. But you know, you, you know what I'm getting but at. There's like, a good old, yeah. a good old Southern college kid. You look at that kid and you're like, there's not a chance that he has a tattoo that's not like something weird like on his shoulder or something. You know, like, 
like, this, like like the sunrise on his shoulder. Yeah, you know, or like, or like Calvin pissing on a Chevrolet. Yeah, side. exactly. <laughs> yeah, he is from Alabama, so we gotta gotta remember that. But yeah, and actually, you know, I I remember googling this. I don't know a couple years ago because somebody brought it up, brought it to my attention. And then this year I looked it up again because I noticed after one of the games he was on an interview and his, he's got his jersey on the pads and underneath he's wearing this kind of white short sleeve Under Armour. And I see the short sleeves and then just poking out just ever so slightly below it is a little bit of tattoo. Uh-huh. And I'm like, did that thing fucking grow? <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, Google, I was like, oh my God, it's massive now. Yeah. It, it's 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 crazy when you when you Google the images like you can see it grow. You yeah. can go through and be like, wait, 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 wait. And it's like, so wait, funny it, because he's getting bigger. He's because getting bigger. Of, because of what you said, you can like because of the images that pop up, you can basically see it's like okay, this is spring break two thousand ten. This is twenty eleven. This yeah. is twenty twelve. It's like you're tracking AJ McCarron's beach vacations by his tattoo. It's absolutely incredible. Um, another interesting quarterback situation is uh blake bortles so yeah explain this to me i have so not heard his, about this his girlfriend is attractive to say the least i mean she is just gorgeous so it, it kind of came out about the time of the fiesta bowl people whenever people started taking notice of blake bortles they uh figured out that this girl was his girlfriend yeah. and you know obviously it spread across the internet like wildfire and so then once he gets to the combine, he's getting interviewed by teams and GMs, and it came out that apparently a bunch of them asked about his girlfriend. I mean, I don't know what they were asking him specifically, but I mean, my assumption is they were trying to see if they could get under his skin. And I don't know if it was successful or not, but yeah, uh, you know, if you get a chance and your wife or girlfriend is not around, go ahead and, <laughs> go ahead and Google Blake Bortles girlfriend. And yeah, it's pretty impressive to say the least. Um, and then of course I don't like this oh. new I'm sorry before we go to the next guy I don't like this new fad of like the college quarterback and, and girlfriend oh yeah it's like it's almost it, it's this weird parallel to like thanks a lot Brent Musburger yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, actually yes that's a great point Brent Musburger creeper yeah um, it's like this weird it's this weird parallel to NFL QVs and, and their wives and which you, you don't hear about too much but it's just like who cares and, and to me I I'll be completely frank here. You know, Andrew McCarron's a pretty good-looking guy, but Manziel, on the other hand, is awful-looking. Yeah. And, like, you know, he's not an attractive man. And these girls are definitely gold diggers. Oh, Like, 100%. they are hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. Yeah. You know, I'd be surprised. I want to see how many of these, like, actually end in marriage. Oh, yeah. Or how many of these or, the marriage actually ends. That, that's, yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, yeah. Uh, and so what's funny is though a lot of these guys like I mean with Catherine Webb for AJ McCarron and Blake Bortles girlfriend as well and then some of these girls that have been hanging around Johnny Manziel a lot of them are actually models in their own right and so it's kind of interesting well like Catherine Webb I think was Miss Alabama or something Mm -hmm. and so she already had some of her own notoriety and so when when she gets picked out it's not just oh, that's A.J. McCarron's girlfriend. It's like, oh, that's A.J. McCarron's girlfriend, who is also Miss Alabama. Who is also Catherine Roulette. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now is basically a model because of Brent Musburger. And she even thanked him for <laughs> jump-starting her career because it is his completely his doing. And talking about Johnny Manziel, you know, he, this kid has just been a disaster from day one. So a lot of people forget this, but he actually got arrested the summer before his Heisman winning season. Mm-hmm. This kind of got, I, I'm not going to say swept under the rug, 
uh, because it just honestly when it happened it wasn't news because no one knew who it was it was just like a random Texas A&M quarterback gets arrested for it was I, it was something stupid like public intoxication and uh, resisting or something like that and he's shirtless in his mug shot so who knows what all happened but yeah so you know he gets arrested then before all this stuff starts then there's the whole autograph gate situation Ugh. there's him showing up you know, in clubs with Drake and being on the courtside seats at Mavs games and in the owner's box at Cowboys games. And it's just like, if this kid's already like this as a college kid, what is he going to be like as a pro when yeah. he actually has, like, significant amounts of money to work with? Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, he just, in, in every facet of his life, other than on the field, it seems like he's just exhibited really poor judgment in everything he does. And I, I recommend, if you have time, look up. There was an article that came out before last season on ESPN, and this guy just kind of profiled Johnny Manziel, really just hung out with him and his family for a couple days, oddly enough, in my hometown. Um, and you read this, and you can just tell, this kid is such a douche. <laughs> like, his parents bought him a Mercedes. Literally, his dad said... We bought him the Mercedes because we knew he was going to try to get it no matter what, and we didn't want him going through illegal means or, like, non-NCA-sanctioned means to get this car. Yeah. So they tried to preventatively buy a car for him to make sure that he wouldn't break NCA rules because they yeah. knew that he would if they didn't buy it for him. And, see, I don't get, I don't get that. And, and someday maybe it'll click, you know, when one of my, you know, many sons is a <laughs> future... When one of my first, one of, one of my five future first <laughs> yeah, round picks, yeah. <laughs> you know, gets into this situation, I might, I, I might know and understand it better. But who are these guys who have so much money that they and so much loyalty to their alma mater that they go and spend this kind of money on these kids? Yeah, I don't I mean, get it's it, crazy. And, and, and with no guarantee. Yeah, you know, it, it, the kid might be good in college. Doesn't mean he's gonna be good in the NFL. Yeah, is is or does that not matter? It's like. I, I would love you know what if, if anybody out there knows like there's gotta be like a book or an article about this. Well, there's, there's uh I mean I think what you're talking about is you're talking about the NCA Bagmen. Bagmen? Oh, is that? The oh, guys, that's right. We talked about yeah. this. Bagmen. That, that really is a great article if you have a yeah. chance. It's I mean I'm not a huge SB Nation guy, yeah. but that's one of the best written articles I've ever yeah. seen. Um, I just I, I just I, I don't get that whole phenomenon. Now my my thing with Manzel, this is interesting uh, to me. Johnny Manzel is this weird bridge with. Uh, and, and with within our current society of, of the use of social media, I've noticed more and more in the past two years, and it, it might be even more than longer than that, that that Twitter comments are like news now. Yeah. Before it was like a thing you did, you know. Oh, look at what so and so said. Ha ha. Like it's funny. Yeah. It was kind of a cutesy thing. Now it's like it's like hard hitting news now with oh, Twitter. Yeah. And, you know, Manziel, he also got in trouble for that, that picture he tweeted out, flashed in, like, the hundreds at the casino. Yeah. Him and drinking underage. That was another one. That he was had another one, yeah. champagne bottles, and he was obviously 20 years old. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a, that has to be a huge red flag. I'm not saying just Johnny, because he's probably, I know he's not the only one. He's just oh, the most yeah. visible one. Uh, in terms of handling these kids at the at the NFL level, because yeah. now you represent an organization. Well, I mean, I don't know which is worse, representing an organization or representing a school. But, well, and, and one of the biggest issues is that when you're representing an, an organization, the NFL, I mean, the number of, say, Twitter followers you have 
is going to grow exponentially. Johnny Manziel is kind of the outlier as far as being a college player yeah, with okay. millions of followers. Okay. But like, say you take your average school, the the player may only have ten or twenty thousand followers. But if he gets the NFL level, he may have in the millions. Right. You know, but it's, it's potentially a PR nightmare. Oh, hundred percent. You know, and I just I, I another again another thing I'd love to hear more about is how on the management side that's being controlled. I know they have I know they have these guys who come in and, and they're like they're like player coaches or like they deal with like players lives and are you watching any of the hard knocks episodes yeah. on hbo they always show the rookies going in to like all right you know to these these meetings and the guys like listen you're about to make a lot of money yeah a lot but you know it doesn't mean spend it all in one place like right thing but twitter it's like you know what they're bored like they're at yeah. dinner and they're like oh you know it's in their hand you can't be the, oh over them the entire time. And so I know it's, some teams have tried to, well, especially colleges have tried to ban their players from using social media at least during the season. Yeah, um, so tough. Yeah, it really. And is. there's so many forms of it now. Yeah, you know, sure, know, okay, fine. You don't get Twitter, which it, it, you know it's easy to, to to gather from. Then you have Facebook. Oh, you don't have Facebook. Then you have uh, I don't know Snapchat. Or, yeah, like, you know, you have something else. Well, that's I, I know. Get... Um, so I, I only talk about what I really know, and what I know is that Baylor, for instance. They have like a PR media account that it's they have a contract basically with the players that says if you have a Twitter or Instagram, you have to allow us to follow you. Oh. So that they can constantly see what these guys are tweeting and all this yeah. other stuff. And you know, they may not always get in trouble for it, but they may, you know, get an email or a phone call. It's like, hey, maybe no. Maybe <laughs> like, eh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just I, that's a, a thing about Johnny Manziel. And this I you know, I really do hate talking about him. I'm not a fan of him yeah. at all. Me neither. Uh, obviously, you're not, but yeah. I mean, I'm really not yeah, as well. And, and, and but he he represents so much now. Yeah. Which is which is which is again, I think feeds into his like his his demeanor and his legacy. Yeah. Because he's 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 above just the football now. It's like this whole social media thing, the way you represent yourself, sponsorships, bag men, you know, all these issues. Well, and one of the things I there's an article circulating around today. ESPN wrote it. Well, and I'm sure everybody else picked up on it, but Manziel was quoted as saying, oh, teams that don't pick me are going to regret it. Why is that news? Why don't you go through and ask every player at the Combine, if a team doesn't select you, are they going to regret it? I guarantee you Jamarcus Russell said that, and every other team in the league now is like, thank God we didn't pick that dumbass. Yeah. So just because he says teams are going to regret it means nothing. Yep. And literally... I'm sure every player is going to say that. Even Mr. Irrelevant is going to say, oh, teams are going to wish that they'd picked me. Well, odds are, no. <laughs> like, statistically, that's not actually going to happen. So just because you say it doesn't mean it's going to be a thing. Um, yeah, a couple other players with issues. Sammy Watkins also had an arrest in uh, 2012. So that was kind of a, eh, not pe- Teams may not be too pleased on that one. Teddy Bridgewater really seems, he's got everybody's concerned about his accuracy issues and just his overall ability to play the quarterback position fully. And I, I thought this was kind of funny. I was watching NFL insider last week and they were going to have Teddy Bridgewater on. And so they're, they're leading in. They're like, Oh, up next we got Teddy Bridgewater camera pans over and he's playing one of those little games where you try to toss mini footballs through these holes and get a certain amount of points. I swear to God, he may have hit like two of nine. I mean, it was just awful. <laughs> like, Oh, it could not have gone worse. The one guy they're concerned about accuracy issues is having problems throwing a mini football from four feet into a hole. I, like, I mean, I know those games aren't yeah. aren't indicative of anything, yeah. but it just the irony just struck me so hard because 
that was the last thing he needed. It was just another little incidental item to make people go, maybe he does have accuracy problems. But still, so uh, the, the final one of these that we're going to talk about oh, is God. my absolute favorite. And, you know, I don't know. I think this kid's kind of rated pretty low, especially after this little stunt. But, um, yeah, he, he's rated at 38th as a running back. Running back out of San Diego State. Um, so this kid... Adam Muma. Adam Muma, maybe? Muma, maybe, yeah. Something. Anyway, he showed up to the NFL Combine. Everything seemed to be good. I think he may have run a couple of the drills, maybe. Then all of a sudden, he said, Nope, God told me, need to leave. Gonna get drafted by the Seahawks, so it's totally fine. Decides to fly back to, uh, I think it was Fort Lauderdale. That's where he'd been training. Mm-hmm. So nobody heard from him for like two or three days. Yep. Everybody's like, you know, what happened with this kid? I mean, is he dead? No one knows. So finally, another guy that he's training with, Corey Nelson, out of Oklahoma, gets a phone call and says, hey, can you pick me up from the airport? He's like, uh, yeah. Goes, picks up Muema from the airport. He's been sitting in the Fort Lauderdale airport for three days, still wearing his clothes from the... Co- like, still wearing those stupid Under Armour things and probably some sweats or something. Been just, like, walking around the airport three days. Because God told him to. Because God told him to. So, first of all, that's crazy pants. And if I were the Seahawks, I would intentionally not draft this kid because I'd be like, this kid's a nut job. But... This brings up a much bigger issue. Why was airport security not concerned about this random dude <laughs> hanging around the airport for three days? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's just like roaming around the baggage claim. Did nobody at any point think, this is weird? Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's been here for three days. And people were like, you know, how did he eat? So apparently people were like giving him food and stuff. I just don't... And he was blessing them. Or that's what it kind of sounds like. Yeah. There was some kind of spiritual exchange yeah just one of the weirdest stories i've ever heard i mean i I remember when this was going like when it kind of came out that he had left and everybody's like still don't know where he is and then also too there's so many people that go through the airport and at least someone must have been like that guy's wearing clothes from the from the combine like yeah those clothes are pretty recognizable because they're they're neon and they have under armor and they have your like position and what number you are to be associated with like you'd think at least some sports fan would have been in the fort lauderdale airport and like emailed espn and been like hey think i saw that guy like is he running back like number 42 is that is that him because he's walking around baggage claim six at the fort lauderdale airport right now mumbling shit that i don't even know yeah I mean, what's weird about him, too, about that situation, too, is Fort Lauderdale, that's where you fly if you don't want to fly into Miami. Yeah. So it's a huge, not, it's not necessarily a hub, yeah. but that, that's a highly trafficked Yeah, traffic it's a sizable area. airport. It's not yeah. like some small regional airport yeah. where there's only maybe like 500 people a day flying through. Like thousands and thousands of people must have seen this guy, and no one thought to bring it up. Like, oh, yeah, that, that missing person, oh, he's at the airport. Yeah. Like, I, listen, I'm, I'm all for people being spiritual. I mean, a lot of a lot of pro athletes are, are very spiritual. Sometimes yeah. it's for sure, but I really think there's a lot that truly, truly have you know great faith yeah. in, 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 in God above or whatever religion they, they believe in. But the way that this was portrayed is just so 
So weird. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And he got it. Like, you talk about, you know, God giving you a chance. Like, going to the combine. Yeah. You and I didn't have that chance. Yeah. We just No, no. <laughs> Not even close. You know, like, just go and finish it out. I know. It's so weird. There's a bigger path that can be set forth if you just had completed it and kept your mouth shut. Yeah. So strange. Well, I guess God didn't tell him that, so. Yeah. I guess God didn't tell him to run the 40. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's I, that's definitely the weirdest story so far. But uh, so now I think we'll probably move into looking more of the past NFL drafts because there's some pretty incredible ones that yeah, have occurred. It, yeah, and, be, and just to kind of oh, do yeah. a good transition here, uh, you know, guys, if you're listening, feel free to tweet at us um, at ML Absurdity your thoughts on the draft. Say, yeah. you know, where you think might happen, where guys might go, you know, where your favorite college guy might go. We'd love to hear it. Please, yeah. tweet at, at ML Absurdity. And let us know what you think. We, you know, we're, we're we are not experts. No. I've actually told Justin before we started. I'm like a little nervous to doing this because I'm not really an analyst. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I and like I said we're getting to the part that I like because I can look. These are things we can look back on. Right. And but, I, but Craig's going, Craig's going to be busy tonight, but I'll actually be on Twitter. I'll probably be tweeting some random stuff out. So yeah. obviously, feel free to talk to me about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. So looking at some of these, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and. The 1989 draft was one that really worked out for several teams, but especially for the top five, mm-hmm. because they had quite a fantastic little run there. Um, so I think Craig's got it pulled up right now to name the exact players that are picked. Yeah, so uh, with the first pick, the Cowboys took Troy Aikman. Uh, second pick, some guy named Tony Mandarich. So he doesn't count. Sorry, Tony. But, yeah, but then the next... Three picks were uh, Barry Sanders to the Lions, Derek Thomas to the Chiefs, and Deion Sanders, Neon Deion to the God. Falcons. And, I mean, even looking, there's several other guys in there that are pretty fantastic. I mean, Andre Risen was yeah. later in that draft. You got Eric Metcalf as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you got some pretty solid players that came out of that. It, it, yeah, I think – but this, this A9 draft is where – I think everybody looks back and like, well, remember, remember when? Like, remember yeah. in '89 when like the first five picks were, you know, or five of the top six picks were Hall of Famers. Yeah, and not even Hall of Famers. Like, I'm talking like, all of the time, top. like first like, ballot guys. Yeah, first ballot all time players. And you look at, I mean, this is as a Cowboys fan, this is where the Cowboys really picked it up because I, at least three of the four first four rounds, the Cowboys picked what ended up being a Pro Bowl player. Uh, oh yeah, Mark Slareth was later in that draft for yeah. the Redskins. Um, but yeah, the, the Cowboys picked up Mark Stepnoski in the third round as a center. He was a fantastic player. Uh, yeah, they had um, Tony Tolbert as well. He was a great defensive lineman. I, you know, there was just some really good players that came out of that draft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just talk about nailing it. I mean that that '89 draft. Who and. It's it's almost this is like where I love to have a time machine and go back and look at these kids. Yeah, I mean Troy Aikman has always fascinated me with his switch from Oklahoma to UCLA. Yeah, and then becoming a Cowboy, and even like where he is now, I think he's probably one of the one of the better uh, broadcasters. Oh, absolutely. On Sundays, him and you know, and I feel bad saying this, but I honestly think it's true. I think him and Daryl Johnson are two of the best yep. on Sundays. I mean, I, I think. I think Troy is a little nah, – he homers a little bit when he calls Cowboys games, but I don't think it's terrible. Daryl Johnson – But he was on such a – see, I don't mind him because that 
Cowboys team, whether you like it or not, is a historic team. Yeah. And, and so for him to bring up the, the, the war stories, I have yeah. no problem with it. And still one of my favorite things that he does is whenever Joe Buck says something stupid, which is roughly 10 to 12 times a game, <laughs> yeah. uh, if he says something that just doesn't make sense, then Troy Aikman will always start the following sentence with, well, back when I was winning Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. it's his subtle way of being like, bro, you didn't play. Like, let me be the expert on this because yeah. I actually have some rings to back it up. Yeah. But, yeah, I, yeah, another – I mean, obviously, the 83 draft is still one of the most well-known. Yeah, so the, uh, we're, we're not going in any particular order. No, we're just kind of jumping around. Yeah, we, 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 we had uh, kind of our favorites, but we kind of agree 83 was, was awesome. I mean, that was the year I was born. <laughs> and it was a little bit before Justin, but that's the they call it the year of the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. John Elway, Jim Kelly, and Dan Marino all go in the first round. Plus, you look. I mean, the number two pick in that draft was Eric Dickerson. Yep. And then uh, number nine was Bruce Matthews, who is still one of the all time greatest offensive linemen. You got Daryl Green at the end of that yep. first round. I mean, you got some really, really incredible players that came out of it. I mean, Roger Craig was a big part of that that Niners team that yeah. went, you know that made those runs in the in the eighties. Uh, he went in the second round. Yeah. Let's see who else was. There's some, you know, it's always fun to go back through these drafts and look, especially, you know, third, fourth round. You catch some random guys that were yeah, incredible. Yeah, but these, I mean, these eight, these ones in the 80s are historic. And, and for us in, in our age range, these are these are good ones to look back on. But a good one that kind of is in our wheelhouse is 96. Right. And 96 is arguably the year of the, what I call the loudmouth wide receiver. Yeah. So you had, you had Keyshawn Johnson go at number one uh, to the Jets that year in 96. And then later on in the third round, you had this guy. I don't know if many of you have heard of him, but his <laughs> name is Terrell Owens. Yeah, just a little guy. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. small school. Yeah, and he also had Marvin Harrison go in the first round yeah. to the Colts. Uh, but then there's also other incredible players in 96. You had Eddie George going to the, to the Oilers. Um, Terry Glenn's another one too. I mean that guy. Yeah, Terry wow. Glenn. Uh, Eric Moles was a longtime favorite yeah. in Buffalo. Ray Lewis. Yeah, Ray Lewis. Uh, and then you go, down, you start going through, and it's like, wow, these are all like pretty big um, fan favorites. You got Mike Allstott. Yeah. Lawyer uh, Malloy. He was another big fan favorite. Yeah. Uh, Mushin Muhammad was yeah. big with the Panthers. The Doc. Oh, Brian Dawkins. Hey, remember. <laughs> Remember, was it 70% of the world is covered by water, the rest is covered by Brian Dawkins. Yeah, <laughs> although he was, not, he was not the first to have that phrase, because I know that I had that poster, and it was Deion Sanders. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, we got D- um, Teddy, Teddy Bruschi. Yeah. Uh, was taken in that draft, and then so, there's one more. John Runyon. I mean, he Steven became... Davis was a, that's a pretty solid pick, too, actually. Yeah. He had some good years. I think there's one. Oh, Zach Thomas. Oh, yeah. Zach Thomas, is a, he's a guy I, I, I really like because he came in, pretty sure Marino retired in 95 or 96, and Zach Thomas came in as like, oh, you know, like, look, look, he was the 154th pick. What is that? Right. Like the fifth or sixth round. round. And he actually went on to have a really, really he good did. career. He was very undersized for a, run, or for a linebacker, yeah. and so people weren't really ready to take a flyer on him. <clears throat> also a guy out of Texas Tech as well. Yeah. So yeah, '96 was a great one, and another one uh, I want to throw out there just because of two players in particular is uh, 1990, and that was the year of um, Emmett Smith and Shannon Sharp. Um, and Emmett Smith, which is going to lead into our next topic, but Shannon Sharp's that interesting one. That's like a Tom Brady type thing. He was yeah. taken almost second to last in the sixth round. Yeah, and went on to become a, a, a Hall of Famer. 
We also got uh, another one is uh, Junior Seau was in 1990, Rodney Hampton. It's amazing, too. Emmett Smith, you look at him, and he was about 20th pick in the draft that year and then ended up being one of the greatest players of all time. And it's, no, he was 12th, right? 12th? Oh, was he 12th? Yeah, okay. or 17th. 17th yeah. yeah, 17th. Uh, but Emmett Smith was uh, the Cowboys uh, traded up with the Steelers through one of the many draft picks they got in the ever-famous Herschel Walker trade. The Herschel Walker trade is still, I mean, it, it's widely recognized as one of for, for the Vikings, one of the dumbest trades of all time. We'll read off really quickly what Vikings got, what the Cowboys so, got. Her, oh, so, okay, let, let's talk about a little bit about Herschel Walker real quick. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Herschel Walker, big-time running uh, college running back out of Georgia. Georgia. Um, one of the first guys to sign with the USFL. Yeah. And and that's a, there's a great uh, great 30 for 30 on that. I mean, yeah. he's a big He's a big part of it. So he actually skipped out on the on the the first draft he was eligible for, came back around uh, th- two years la- three years later. Yeah. So I think he skipped out on eighty three and was eighty six or something like that. Yeah. Um, came back three years later. Uh, writing was on the wall that the USL USFL was going down, so the Cowboys actually went ahead and drafted him yeah. in the third round. Yeah. So they got him kind of late. Uh, oh no, fifth round actually. Oh, was it fifth round? Yeah, fifth round in '85. Okay, so '85. So, so okay, steal the pick. Yeah, so they so they pick up Herschel Walker, has a couple of good years with the Cowboys, and then you actually told me tell you the story you, you were thinking about. You, you told me about Jimmy Johnson, how he was. You were talking about how he was on a run one day. Oh, I don't know this one. Were you? I'm mean, talking to somebody else about this. Yeah. I'm sorry. So apparently, the the, the legend goes that. Um, they were uh, on a run. Oh, I read this. <laughs> yeah. I did. I read this. I thought I talked to Justin about it. Jimmy Johnson's on a run one day, and, and he wants to blow the team up. Yeah. He wants to make something splashy. Because Jimmy Johnson, again, another great 30 for 30 is the U. Yeah. And he's, he's a big part of that. He's always been this flashy, loudmouth guy. So he gets hired by the Cowboys. They're, they're not doing so well. And he's like, he's going to blow his team up. Yeah. So he happened to have two guys on this team, which is kind of interesting. Two guys, uh, one by the name of Michael Irvin, another name, a guy by the name of Herschel Walker. And... Um, He's like, I gotta make a big move. So he actually was gonna trade Michael Irvin first, and he called Al Davis. And I, I can't believe this. The, apparently, the story goes Al Davis said to Jimmy Johnson about Michael Irvin. He goes, "Are you kidding me? Like, why would you do that? I'm not gonna trade for Michael Irvin." Which I can't believe Al Davis said yeah. that. I thought Al Davis was like, "Yeah, send him over. I'll give you whatever you want." Yeah, no, exactly. He, he actually talked Jimmy Johnson out of it. Wow. So, um, but he apparently he didn't talk the uh, the. So then he went past Michael Irvin, went to, the, to to Herschel Walker, and he talked the Vikings into something crazy. So well, I'll let Justin yeah. read down what, what happened with this trade. And obviously at this point, Herschel Walker was, I mean, he was still good, but not, he wasn't in the peak of his career anymore. Yeah. So the Vikings got Herschel. They got uh, Dallas's ni- uh, 1990 third round pick, San Diego's 1995th round pick, Dallas's 10th round pick in 1990, and their 91 third round pick. That Which, San Diego pick must have been from another trade the yeah. Cowboys had. Or, um, yeah. So, but none of those players really turned out to much. Jake Reed being the best of that. Yeah. So then the Cowboys received at the time five players, none really of any note. Yeah. Um, but then they also got Minnesota's 1991st round pick, which was basically that was the pick that got Emmett Smith. Uh, Minnesota's second round pick, no one really of note. Their sixth round pick that year, once again, no one of note. But then you start getting into the 1991 picks. Yeah. First round pick, Cowboys picked up Alvin Harper, which that's a guy. 
I don't know. This is more of a name for Cowboys fans, but that guy was amazing while he was with the Cowboys. I remember Alvin his, Harper. Yeah, yeah, his yards per catch was obscene. Yeah. It was like twenty. I think in the in his peak, it was twenty-one to twenty-two yards per catch, which is outrageous. The next pick they got was a second rounder that season, Dixon Edwards. Uh, another name, probably more for Cowboys fans. He was a pretty good linebacker. Nothing incredible, but he he was good. Then, second-round pick in 1992, Darren Woodson, one of the all-time greatest defensive backs. I'm pretty sure I heard of that guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, just right there, the Cowboys got Emmitt Smith, Alvin Harper, Dixon Edwards, and Darren Woodson, and three Super Bowls. It's basically what they drafted. And this is also what the Vikings gave up. I mean, it was just incredible. The last last two picks are kind of inconsequential. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, they got what? What is that? Seven, eight picks. It involved like seventeen, like yeah, players in the end. Yeah, like so basically, crazy, yeah. the Cowboys gave up one player and four picks, and received five players and eight picks. Worst yeah. of which being a sixth round. Others were first through third. Yep, that is crazy. I mean, it's a crazy. I, I just yeah. I, it goes down literally as one of the worst trades of all time. Yeah. That and the Mark Teixeira trade between the Braves and the Rangers. That is actually listed as one of the other worst trades of all time. Yeah. That's for another show. That's another show. And Herschel Walker, I mean, he's, he'll always be a famous guy in terms of, of his legacy. But his stats, actually, eh, they're, they're, like, okay. Yeah. He played for, like, eight seasons. Yeah, he, I mean, they were they were good enough. But they were good enough. Not yeah, really not enough to warrant, warrant this like kind of move. Selling or, out your entire yeah. team for it. But uh, in, in recent news, my favorite thing about Herschel Walker is at 50, he thinks he can still play in the NFL. Uh, have you seen him fight in the MMA? Yeah, because he awesome. kicked the shit out of a guy like a third of his age. So I believe, I honestly believe him. He looks like he's in better shape than he was when he was twenty five. Yeah, it's insane. He said, he said that that whole workout routine is what is what kept him. Yeah, kept him in shape. So, um, yeah, we're so right now we're pushing about an hour. Just real quickly, run through maybe some of the last few years. Yeah, draft. that's Just yeah. That. The, the, so this is like recent history. This is something yeah. that. I'll, you know, these guys are still affecting yeah. teams. Yeah. So, we basically we're going to look the last about 10 years. 2004, there wasn't really much of note, except uh, one one undrafted player that did okay. Uh, Wes Welker uh-huh. out of Texas Tech. Uh, obviously, greatly undersized, which is one of the reasons he didn't get picked. But, I mean, turned out to be still one of the best wide receivers in the game. Um, 2005... Most well-known bust in that draft is definitely Mike Williams by yeah. Detroit. 2006, you had Matt Leinert get drafted, which... Oh 2006 God. is another interesting QB year because uh, that was like Joe Flacco and, and oh, those yeah. guys. Um, some of them that are still around. Uh, actually, the thing about Joe Flacco is it's... I know a lot of people like to kind of like to rip on him now, especially after winning the Super Bowl in the <laughs> season they had. And, and you actually brought this up with Teddy Bridgewater on the accuracy test. They, they did like a, like a, like a QB combine challenge thing that I'd like just happened to like glance over and watch one day and Joe Flacco was blowing these guys out of the water and it was like <laughs> Matt Liner and like I don't know go back and look at the other guys in 2006 like there's other like huge there's like other huge names yeah and Joe Flacco he wasn't I mean he wasn't even division three he's division two out of Delaware yeah um just like like killing the guys like hitting like bullseyes at like 60 yards you know crazy stuff like that it was awesome yeah he's he's definitely an interesting quarterback I don't know. We'll see how the rest of his career yeah. pans out. So I, uh, next one I'll take is 2007. I call it the boomer bust year. Because in that draft on the bust side, you had Jamarcus Russell. and um, We had Jamarcus Russell. Now, Justin put down Brady Quinn and Ted Ginn. 
I have differing opinions on those two players. Okay. Brady Quinn, I agree, probably should have panned out the pan, or should have panned out the way he did. Yeah. Ted Ginn, on the other hand, I think he's a good special teams guy, and he's found his role in niches on the teams he's played for. I can so the reason I consider Ted Ginn a bust mm-hmm. is because of where he was drafted in that draft. If he was taken in like the third, yeah. okay, but he was what a top fifteen draft pick. Yeah. He hasn't really he hasn't really warranted being a top fifteen draft pick, in my opinion. I don't know. He looked kind of good in Carolina last year. Yeah, occasionally, but still, he's not. He's not even a solid number two, really. Yeah. But uh, on the flip side, same draft. I, think about this now. Yeah. Calvin Johnson and Adrian Peterson, arguably the best wide receiver and running back. Oh yeah. To date. <laughs> And Calvin Johnson is still on an upward trajectory. I think ADP is going to start yeah, even gonna out start, coming back He's going to start leveling. But, dude, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. I can't believe those two guys. And then, and then on the line, Joe Thomas. I remember I just, I just kind of followed him, and I think Joe Thomas actually turned out to be a pretty good lineman. But uh, I can't believe those two guys are in the same draft. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you want to go to 2008. 2008. So that one, especially one of the big storylines, was um, two – Arkansas running backs drafted in the first round, Darren McFadden and Felix Jones, and one that uh, is a little bit forgotten, a round seven pick out of Arkansas, Peyton Hillis. Oh, wow. That was quite the combination of running backs they had on yeah. the team. Um, I actually, so that season, I saw Arkansas play Missouri in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, but it was crazy because Missouri just destroyed them. That was um, uh, Chase Daniels and Jeremy Macklin were playing for Mizzou, and they just destroyed Arkansas. But that has to be one of the best all-time running back lineups for a college team. Yeah. Just incredible. Um, then he had 2009, not really a banner year for the uh, NFL draft. But but he had some good guys on the defensive side, I think. Yeah. Yeah, B.J. Raji, Brian Arakpo, Brian Cushing. I think a lot of those guys, uh, Clay Matthews. Yeah. So I think I think defensively might have been a little bit better than, than than offensively. Other than Matt Stafford, you look at some of the other QBs taking the first. You got Mark Sanchez, yeah. Josh Freeman. Woof, that is just rough. I got Michael Crabtree in there, who I still think has potential. <laughs> Second round pick, Pat White. That didn't really turn out. Oh, Pat White, and he was touted. And yeah. He was like, oh, he, I, I remember He's him. He's so fast. He's so fast. He'll be a steal. He'll don't, teams will find a way to use him. Nope. No. Oh. uh... Look at this down here in the second round. A little guy named LaShawn McCoy. Oh, he did okay. Yeah, he's doing all right. <laughs> I think he won a, a rushing title. <laughs> yeah, you know, just one. 2010, also a banner year for bad quarterbacks. Sam Bradford leading the list off. Didn't really perform too well. Got a got a little guy named Tim Tebow in there. But the Broncos are so I've never heard of him. Yeah. I've never heard of that third round, third string quarterback. I, I, I'm surprised ESPN has never talked about <laughs> yeah. him. Jimmy Clausen, God. Oh, man. He left early. He should never have left early. He should have enjoyed every minute of college yep. because yep. he should have known his days were numbered. That was just not going to work out. Of course, then actually, one of the only quarterbacks that's still kind of middling around that got drafted later in that was Colt McCoy. He's been doing okay. Yeah. He's at least a backup place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's this there's this there's this guy you know who who is a pretty good dancer. But uh, <laughs> even a better football player is a little guy named Victor Cruz. Nice little undrafted in there. Yeah. But yeah, and then you got 2011. That was a big quarterback year. We talked about Christian Ponder, obviously, and then Dalton, Kaepernick, 
Cam Newton. But then in between those, you also have Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbert, yeah. who are both just not great. Gabbert now being traded and Locker not going to return for the Titans yeah. after next season. Yeah, and then you got following year, another, another huge class yep. for quarterbacks. Andrew Luck, RG3, Russell Wilson, and Nick Foles. Nick Foles is steel being a third round. Yeah, pick. huge steel. I mean, yeah. and oh, so happy the way he's working out for the Eagles. Plus, Alfred Morris is in that draft class. I mean, and Alfred man. Morris is in, well, he was like a sixth rounder. He was too. a sixth rounder. Yeah. yeah, and then Alshon Jeffrey also, I think a second or third rounder, which he fell. I, at the time, I wondered why he was not going earlier. He's a big guy and a great receiver out of South Carolina, but mm-hmm. no one seemed that interested. Who's he with? He's with the Bears. Bears. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um. 2013 is the last one, and it's kind of tough to tell with this one, but right now you got Eddie Lacy and Corderell Patterson both looking pretty good, but yeah. you know, obviously tough to tell at this point yeah. who's going to be the who's going to be the guy that really stands out from that class in the future. Yeah. But but yeah, and I I love looking at this, you know, looking back at the draft classes and seeing guys who panned out. So if you guys who are listening again. We we want to become more interactive with with the people who listen. So please tweet at us some of the yeah. guys that you that you think you know panned out. Like say, oh, you forgot about so and so, or yeah, you know, from your again from your favorite team. We want to hear from you know Chiefs fans and Lions fans and you know even the big you know we, Patriots fans and anybody like we, yeah. we're like please you got you got a Cowboys and Eagles fan here, but we are totally open. We love to talk sports, so please let us know about. Your, your, the favorite players on your teams that you thought were great draft picks. And, Absolutely. And, and we'd be happy to bring it up. We, we're actually going to start thinking about doing a little uh, omissions and errors and left yeah. out section on our regular show. Yeah. Um, and uh, from this is, a, this is a little bit of a callback, but it kind of relates here. We talked about in the first episode the Buffalo Bills' tendency to draft guys from the South to play quarterback. And uh, Kevin was nice enough to point out that Jim Kelly played at Miami. So, However, okay, so now everybody saw this. Let's let's back up a little bit before we tell the whole story. A friend okay. of mine, Kevin, who is a walking sports encyclopedia. Correct. And I love this kid. I've been, I've been friends with him for years, and Justin just got to know him recently. He emailed us directly right. and brought this issue up. So I'm so, sorry. I just want to preface yeah. that for everybody listening. So he mentioned that Jim Kelly went to college at Miami. Well, looking back, though, Jim Kelly also is from Pennsylvania, so that kind of goes against a little bit of what I was saying because I was talking about guys that are, you know, just born and raised in the South, have been there forever, and so have never played cold weather games even in high school. So at least Jim Kelly was adjusted there. But yeah, they, I mean, they had Fitzpatrick obviously, but that's you know not exactly a big name that they decided to bring in. Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> Harvard graduate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's a that's at least our first error and, error and omission that we'll talk about, but. There'll be more of those to come because I believe it or not, I think we might end up making an error or two in the future. I'm yeah. Not sure. <laughs> well, guys, that brings the, us to the end of our draft special. Um, we just want to get, you know, we know it's coming up, so we want to get a little extra talk time in about the draft. And we're going to have a couple other specials coming up, but we hope you enjoyed this. You know, again, please tweet at us at ML Absurdity on Twitter and feel free to email us at Major League Absurdity at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to hearing your input on the on the draft, and and uh, we we're definitely going to follow up because the draft it, it starts tonight. We're yeah. recording this Thursday morning, and uh, Thursday night will be uh, round one. So absolutely, we look forward to hearing from you guys. And I'm not going to actually do the usual sign off. I'll save that for the oh, for the okay. show. All right. But uh, we, again, enjoy the draft, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys.
skyline at the mortar blocking glass and check out the reflections in my eyes. You see, they always used to be there, even when this all was grass, and I sang and danced about a high rise, and you were laughing at my helmet hat.
Count that bitch off, somebody. We're you count us. Where's the party? One, two, three, four!